17. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, y'all, welcome. And uh, once again, uh, we are St. Thomas's Church. We are um, the we uh, exist to be ambassadors of Christ's forgiving love where we live, work, play, and learn. And the only requirement for being part of our church family is that you're screwed up. Um, if you're not a sinner, if you're not screwed up, we simply can't help you. But if, like me, you are a sinner and you have failed not only your Lord but yourself, your family, um, and you're coming for and, and you're looking for a place of forgiveness. And, and love, this is what we're about at St. Thomas's Church, and we'll certainly uh, see that in, in deed as well as here in, in word in just a few minutes. Uh, but, um, but, but because we're called to be ambassadors of Christ, uh, part of that means is we're called to be disciples. And so this Sunday actually begins a new sermon series for us, which will take us up through December, where we are looking at what it means to be a disciple. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What is the disciples call? What is the disciples call? And I can't think of a better place to start with this than, than with the baptism and also having this passage of scripture. Now, of course, for many of us, if you've grown up in the church at all, uh, you've heard the story about Jesus calling the, uh, the uh, first uh, few disciples, come, drop your nets, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And so the danger of having a, a passage like this is we feel like that we already know it, right? We already know what it says. We know what it means. But Today, I want to take a closer look at it, because in this story, not only is there a calling to go out and do, but actually the heart of God's love, the heart of the gospel, the heart of God's love for us sinners is found even in this seemingly simple story. And so to really hear uh, what the Lord, I think, wants us to get out of this, I want to focus on three things that this uh, passage shows us. Three things. Number one. Jesus chooses those who have sinned to be his disciples. Number two, Jesus chooses those who will continue to sin as his disciples. And then thirdly, Jesus makes sinners servants. So number one, Jesus chooses those who have sinned to follow him. He, and he chooses those who will sin. And then he'll make us sinners Servants for him and for the world. So, point one, first thing that this story shows us is that Jesus chooses those who have sinned, who are sinners, to be his disciples. So many people, I think, in our culture just have this assumption, have this belief that Christians are good people. And, and to be a good person, to be or or, or rather, to be a disciple of Christ, you must clean yourself up first. You must make yourself presentable. And when you've made yourself holy enough, now you're worthy of Jesus calling you. Now you're worthy of the title of his disciple. But actually, when we look at this story, we spot the complete opposite. Now, again, we need to look at this story anew, right? What we have here is Peter 
who's called, called Simon here, um, Andrew, James, and John, and they're out fishing. And at first glance, they just seem to be just simple, hardworking, honest fishermen, right? Just sort of doing their job, plowing their trade, doing what they're supposed to, to, to do, just normal people. But in actuality, what we have here is a picture of four men that have compromised their faith in God in order to make money. Let me explain. These, these men, where this action is happening, is just north of kind of the area where, 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 where the Jews really saw their homeland, Judah. It's in this area called uh, Galilee. And here, this is an area of a lot of different religions, a lot of different ethnic groups. A lot of it's 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 a, it's a major trade route, and essentially what these men have done is they have said, you know what, there's money to to be made up here. So what they did is they left their homeland, they moved up there, they set up a fishing operation, and did money, did deals with non-Jewish people, which according to the Jewish law at the time was sinful. You would pollute yourself. By doing that work, by interacting with them. Because what would happen over time is that as you did work, your own faith would be compromised. Your own culture would be compromised. And we even see a hint of that in the name Andrew, which is a Greek name. Moreover, they were up there doing this, interacting with these, with these non-Jews, not to do what the Old Testament called them to, to do, which is to share God's blessing with them. To invite them to uh, in, into the family of God, at best they put their Jewish faith on the back burner, and they made it a purely private and personal thing. So these weren't honest fishermen. These were men that were actually putting God on the back burner, so they could become wealthy. And who does Jesus see? He seeks them. And he walks right into the heart of their sinful enterprise, if you will. And he commands them. He doesn't invite them. He commands them. Follow me. Follow me. A simple statement, but with incredible connotations and consequences. What that, what, what that invitation means is more than just come and learn from me, come and spend time with, with me. He's inviting them to be his disciples, that he would literally mold and shape and transform them. He would bless them. He would make them clean eventually by his cross. So not only is he pulling them out of a, out of a vocation, but he's pulling them out of their own sin, out of their own failure. He went to them and pulled them out so that he could love them and be in deepest relationship with them. In 1725, a man named John Newton was born. He was raised in a Christian home, but, but he rejected his faith at a, at a young age. He went out to, to, to sea, and he lived a debaucherous lifestyle there and on land. He was known for his off-color humor, in a, in a language, and, and because he was a gifted songwriter, he would make up these incredibly body and embarrassing songs for shipmates. I read a couple of them as I was researching this. I wish it wasn't a baptism Sunday. I'd like to share some of them with you. 
But he was a very selfish man, and, 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 and when he got the chance, though he, he was a junior-level officer, he deserted his ship. And he even talked one believer on his ship into believing in the reason of, of his own mind and to give up the Christian faith. He was a sinner. But during a storm at sea, he, for the first time, truly began to fear for his life. And all the memories of the way that he had failed, not just God, but others. The way that he failed his, his, his mother and his father and those who loved him. The ways he squandered his entire life. The damage that he'd done to so many people in his selfish living. But then he remembered that Jesus comes to sinners and says, follow me. He remembered that Jesus loves sinners and seeks to forgive them. And wipe their slate clean and give them a new life. And during that storm, he received the gift of God's love on that ship. Asked for forgiveness. Was forgiven. And he realized that God had chosen this sinner. And this we symbolize today in baptism. Because we as parents are uh, believers, we believe that the same command to follow me is extended to little Weezy. And the same is true for all of us. How many of us walked into church this morning laboring un under the, the assumption that Jesus won't call you, he won't love you because you have failed, because you're not good enough. Because you've lived life your own way, you've ignored God's calls upon you. But it's right here in the scripture, isn't it? He seeks you. He seeks me as sinners above all else. And this is good news. He's calling you in this place. Not just me. He's calling you. Right where you are. To follow him. And this is good news. But the good news gets even better. Because Jesus not only calls those who are sinning. But Jesus calls and chooses those who will continue to sin. You, you heard that right. Jesus continues to call people who will continue to sin. You see, in this story, we see just the beginning of, 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 the, of the lives of these four fishermen. Their life with Jesus is so full of hope and promise. They're just going to go now that they've learned, now that they've repented. Now they're going to go from strength to strength to strength to strength, right? Well, if anyone's ever read the story of the Gospels, you know that actually the opposite happens. These men perpetually, intentionally, uncontrollably fail Jesus over and over and over and over and over again. Parents, we know what this is like. But none of them failed Jesus worse than Peter. Not even Jesus failed Peter. Failed Jesus worse than, than a Peter. Because Peter was appointed the chief apostle. He was going to be the rock of the church. But on the night of Jesus' arrest, Jesus tells his disciples at the last summer, I mean, at the last supper, um, I will be arrested and I will be crucified. And, and Peter says, this will never happen to to you, Jesus, even if I have to die for you, I will never abandon you. And 
Jesus turned to Peter and said, by the time the cock crows, you will have betrayed me three times, which he did. Jesus was crucified and buried. But then he was raised again. And where did he meet Peter? Last time he saw Pitt, Peter was Peter's worst failure towards him. He met him on a beach, made him a breakfast of fish, and he reissues the, the command, follow me. Nothing had changed. All of your sins, past, present, and future, have been washed away by my cross, Jesus says. And my promise to save you is as good now as it was on your best day. Your foolishness and your cowardice have not forfeit, forfeited your place with me, Jesus tells Peter. When John Newton re returned to England after his con conversion, he began to, to take his faith very seriously. But, almost inexplicably, of all things, this new born-again Christian decides his new per profession will be the captain of the slave trading ship. See, Christian faith was confusing back then, too. The culture of his day, yes, saw this as a noble per per profession and wanted to impress his new wife and be a respectable person. He did this job even though when he confesses this later in life, even though in his spirit he knew it was wrong. And so he began to fear for his salvation. He feared that his conversion wasn't real and that he had forfeited the mercy God had shown to, to him by trafficking enslaved human beings. And then, then on St. Kitts Island, he met this other Christian, Mr. Clooney, who not only confirmed that the slave trade was an, was, was an evil ent enterprise, but Mr. Clooney assured him that, that um, just once, that, that at once that Jesus made Mr. Newton his, he would be Jesus's forever. Jesus would never leave him or abandon him regardless of the failures of his heart and mind and, and life. Yeah. We as parents and godparents in St. Thomas's Church, we are called to be Mr. Clooney's to Weezy. We are called to remind her that despite her perpetual failures to be a good disciple of Jesus Christ, she will always belong to him. Even her worst failure, as sweet as little Weezy is, she's going to screw up big time. She's going to sin miraculously and impressively. But praise God for that because it is our prayer that through that failure, that will be, that really roots her heart in the love of Christ and his forgiveness, but will assure her that when she fails over and over and over again, that she can do nothing to separate herself from the love of her Savior. And again, how many of us walking in this room have sinned this week and are ashamed to come walk in this church because you're afraid that you have forfeited God's love of you? If that's you, know that that is not true. God is yours forever. And that brings me to my third point, quickly. Not only does Jesus choose sinners, choose those who will continue to, to sin, but Jesus makes us selfish sinners servants to the world. Follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. 
Here, Jesus took four men saturated with, with sin and made them men who transformed the, the world. We would not be sitting in this room in the 21st century except for the work of these four men who enjoyed the deep forgiveness of our God and took it out to the whole world. Jesus didn't choose them because they had the talent. Jesus gave them the power. After John Newton gave up the slave trade, he got ordained in the Church of, of England and became an early voice for the abolition of, of, of a slavery. And his sermons influenced a young boy named William Wilberforce, who, when he grew up, became a member of, of a parliament. And, and this man eventually abolished the slave trade in the British Empire. But this great sinner is best known for his hymn, Amazing Grace. And how many of us, it is the most important hymn in our country. And how many of us have been touched, have been caught, have been deeply uh, felt the deep love of God through the net of that song? One sinner who God showed mercy on, who was transformed, and he went out and literally became a servant of the gospel in word and deed. So not only do we symbolize the fact that Jesus has made easy his own, but, but we also symbolize that by the washing of this, he is also making easy a fisher of men. And as her understanding of God's love and forgiveness grows, she will want to invite others to know this great love. But of course, what is true of Weezy is true of all of us. Do you see yourself like I do in these four men, in John Newton as well? If you see, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ because of your forgiveness, then take that good news out to just one person. You don't have to write a song that will change the world. You don't have to abolish slavery. But simply sharing the love of Christ to one person person who you love will make even the greatest sinner a great servant. And this is good news for us sinners indeed. Amen.